just happened. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power of Suits, and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, coming all the way from across the big blue ocean, currently sitting there freezing, well, nearly freezing, at one degree Celsius. That's the one and only Aaron from Web Warriors Protocols. What's happening, my guy? Well, Will, I'm not too bad yourself. You know, I can't complain. And John Harris, what's up, dude? Not too bad. I mean, I'm sitting here in a jumper and a coat while I'm recording, but otherwise, everything's good. Okay, so that's like the most British thing ever, saying a jumper. I, I don't even know what a jumper is. Like, when I think of a jumper, I think of something like the babies wear, you know, like like almost, you could say like a onesie. It's, that's That was sometimes referred to as a jumper, or like a little bouncing thing that that babies sit in when they're having fun do you have like little things that light up in front of you and you're bouncing around while you're recording this podcast yeah, right now um i think i mean what you guys might call a cardigan or a sweater ah there you go see i like it see i love see we're teaching people new stuff here at house party protocol about cultural relations it just it's so great i love it so much <laughs> well, glad to provide yeah, I'm really glad to have you guys back. It's been a little over a month, and it's one of those things where it's always a good conversation whenever you guys are, are here with us at House Party Protocol. And I keep saying us. It's literally me. But, you know, the suits out there listening, it's all of us together. So anyways, I digress. John, what have you been playing lately? Um, Mainly for about the last six to eight weeks, just criminal syndicate. So a nice combination of Kingpin, but I switched it out to Daredevil only recently just to mix things up a little bit. Nice, nice. Why why the change to Daredevil only? Was it like you said to mix things up? Was it did you find some kind of nice little combo there or something that you liked? Uh, there were some nice combos for just almost infinite rerolls at times. But I also had a couple of experiences where it was kind of like a non-playable game. So I had a couple of tournament games where I played against Asgard, for example, and because the threat was so low, we played like five point scoundrels, and my opponent had four models. So, with me counting as two under Kingpin, it was done before we even kind of set up realistically. Oh, yeah. And it, it just left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, never mind the person on the other side. So, I switched it out so it was slightly more playable. Hey, I like that. I like that. That's fun. Kind of thinking about the opponent's experience with all of it, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, we had, we had a good game either way, but it was just harsh when we set it out, and my opponent just went, I already can't win. I was like, no. <laughs> right, right. Aaron, what about you? You uh, you mixing it up? You throwing any any uh, wrenches in the machine, as it were? Uh, well, I'm still mainly playing Web Warriors. However, I have had a couple of games with Winterguard again because AMG finally sent me the piece that was missing from my Crimson Dynamo, so I was able to finish building him. Um, 
So I've, I've got them on the table a little bit lately, but other than that, just the one and only Web Warriors, really. Yeah, any updates to the roster for us that we can maybe, you know, steal and use to start wrecking our locals here? <laughs> uh, let me think. So character wards, it's Miles, Gwen, Black Cat, Moonot, Venom as the core, uh, with Toad as well. Then on top of that, we've got, it varies a little bit. We've got Winter Soldier, who at the minute is just insane anywhere you put him. Uh, the last event I went to, I put X-23 in there, who was an absolute a horrid, vile creature under the Web Warrior leadership. Uh, she definitely did the most work of anyone on the team that day. With the extra defensive reroll and being able to reroll schools, it was just menacing. Oh, yeah, for so sure. So that's a new one for me. Uh, Black's one with the Power Stone as a foil threat is an interesting choice I was running. Oh, that's, that's my um, bay. Thanks to Ron, who mentioned that one to me. And I thought, actually, I can see where you're coming from. So I had her uh, for a couple of games, just throwing away it around, using that defensive reroll and turning off Wilds to become super tanky and just all around a very solid for it. Nice. Yeah, I'd, I'm anywhere I can play Black Swan, I, I really like it. Like, she's one of those characters that every time she's on the table for me, she just seems to not want a defense. So, you yeah. know, I have to deal with that. But. In Web Warriors, she seems like such a primo piece that can just delete things. And while the rest of the Web Warriors are just running around being like, okay, I'll take this objective. I'll take that objective. This one's mine. Thank you very much. And then when you go to attacker, like you said, the extra defensive reroll. But not only that, you've got like a lethal protector. And then you've got a Gwen being like, and you're over here now. No attacks for you. I just, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's... um. It really does come into her own under that leadership. It just enables her a little bit more and brings her online a little tiny bit more. I mean, she's just got so much use, especially the fact she has the ability to reroll enemies' defense dice and she has an attack with peers. It just really brings some surprise hitting power, uh, which sort of makes up for me obviously not running Corvus anymore as his reality element restricted. Right. Yeah. I mean, have you have you found that that's been something like you relied on for a while? But has it kind of been okay or maybe even better now that you're not, like, leaning into Corvus like you were? Um, to be honest, before he went restricted, it had been maybe 10 or so events since I really used him anyway. So I sort of weaned off of him and, and moved over to wider webheads. So a lot of free threats and a two threat usually. So right. when he went restricted, it was... Obviously, it, it forced me to change the roster, but I don't... I don't really think I noticed the impact of it because I just ha hadn't been using him anyway. Right. I got you. I got you. No, that's cool. That's cool. I, I like to hear that. I like to hear with your roster how it changes and how your play style maybe changes up every once in a while because I think it's interesting when people that are maybe casually interested in the competitive scene see Aaron's name on Longshanks and they see that he's... Are you still number two or are you... Are you you're not back to number one, right? I'm not back to number one. I think I'm number two. I think Pat's still number one from across yeah. the board for us at the minute. So they see your name at number two, and they're like, what is this guy doing that he is so consistently winning? And I think that kind of is one, it's the play on the tabletop, and that comes with experience, but also like seeing how the roster changes and how you're not doing it with just the same stuff over and over again. Even though it is still Web Warriors, it's still like it, it changes and the tactics change and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, for me, it's 
a lot of people say, how can you only play the same roster? But when you look at it compared to the roster I started with, it's very, very different. There are still some pieces, you know, Miles, Gwen, Venom have always been there. But around those, everything has almost changed. Right, exactly. Exactly. So I think that's just really, really great to see and explore. You know what I mean? So with that, speaking of things that we're going to explore today, we're going to be talking about the updated affiliation list because I feel like there are some surprises sort of with that. And then we're also going to be talking about the recent errata to Malekith and what impact that's going to have on the game. And I want to start with talking about this affiliation update first. So we got the Brotherhood of Mutants added some new characters in here, and that is obviously Pyro and the Blob. And the interesting one is they added Sabretooth Apex Predator. And I think there was some speculation early on about whether or not the new Sabretooth, the new Wolverine, would be affiliated outside of their Weapon X affiliation. And I think it's interesting that Brotherhood gets Apex Predator. And, John, I'd like your opinion. Do you feel like that Apex Predator brings anything to a Brotherhood squad slash roster? Um, I think he does. I think he's fairly good at what he's supposed to do. So I think he's going to put out a lot of dice. He's going to put out a lot of hurt. However, whether he brings something Brotherhood need, I think is a slightly different question. I think you've got Magneto, you've got Juggernaut, you've got Scarlet Witch, who all hit really hard and all who do pretty good jobs. And then you've already got a fourth threat Sabretooth who moves long, has an ability to retaliate, still hits pretty hard anyway. I don't know if you would swap one out for the other in most cases. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's really insightful because when I look at this, I think Apex Predator would love to be playing with the Brotherhood under Magneto's leadership, and the fact that he's affiliated means he's not as much of a liability because he's power hungry. It's what we talked about on, on this show when we discussed him, but in general, I think that's the consensus. He's power hungry. So putting him somewhere yeah. where he can gain that power relatively easy is nice. However, when you look at the fact that you're going to have a Magneto and Juggernaut, probably like set it, forget it, those two are going to be on the table for most Brotherhood players, that's 11 threat you're starting with right there. So fitting in a four threat Sabretooth when you've also got Pyro coming out and Blob coming out, and not to mention one of the best, most underrated four threats in the game in Rogue, it's it's a it's a it's a hard area to fill, but I think that Sabretooth has some play there, and I think that he'll definitely surprise people when he's on the table. So I'm excited to see that he's a part of that because being being a part of of the Brotherhood and being able to get that power, I think is going to be really nice for him. And then additionally, playing in Mystique, I think will be nice to give Mystique that little extra bit of firepower, and then he gets to save. The power on the interacts or it's not so much save but get a refund on the power for the interacts on um, objectives and stuff like that i think that's kind of nice too aaron do you have any thoughts yeah so i think the new cyber two being put in there it's definitely an interesting choice because the old one didn't see an awful lot of time although john already said he had a long move he had a counter attack he, he, he i think he's a very good character there's a local player over here tom vickers uh, that uses X-Force quite a bit. I don't know if he still plays them, but has done some evil things to me with Sabretooth. So I definitely respect him to see 
the strength of the OG side two. The new one, very different package. What you get is very, very, very different. Still Cyber 2 at its very core, uh, in essence. But what I find difficult is not only when you'd fit one of them in, but what sort of role they each specifically fill off. I think it's a bit vague as to what purpose you're taking them for. And yeah. they've got very hard competition for the four threat slot when you look at Rogue, who we all know is very, very strong. Very good. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's that. I think is the the biggest thing. And for me, I think that uh, OG Sabretooth, I don't really know what role he fills either. I've had some games where he's done some work, especially against me and stuff like that. Like if you don't deal with him, he's going to deal with you, kind of thing. But if you do try to deal with him, he's still going to deal with you. Uh, so like, that's, that's kind of a thing. Uh, but Apex Predator feels like um, more. I don't know how to explain it. Like. He's a good character, I think. And and again, I still maintain that I think he's going to surprise some people once they get him on the tabletop and, and kind of get some some action with him and stuff. But he's he's kind of more of the same for what Brotherhood yeah, already true. wants to do, and that's, you know, kill you and then get into the objectives while the attrition's ramping up, right? But he's limiting, I think, where he's kind of a one-trick pony in that he really needs to get the snowball rolling, and if your opponent's able to slow that snowball down at all, I think it can kind of hurt his long-term viability in a match, if that makes sense. Yeah, it can neuter him a little bit, and definitely, you know, a lot of characters are very similar. If you can mess with the plan early on, that can just take away from what they needed from that for the rest of the game. Exactly, exactly. So I, I'm excited to see it you know, on the tabletop. I'm excited to see see what people do with him. But uh, the next character we need to talk about here is obviously Logan the Wolverine. And this one is another one where he's affiliated in Uncanny X-Men. And I think a lot of people were expecting that he wasn't. And I thought, maybe I'm wrong, that AMG came out and said that he wasn't going to be affiliated X-Men at one point. But then he is on the dock. And do you feel like, Aaron, that Logan the Wolverine brings anything to an X-Men squad? Logan in an X-Men squad is very interesting. I think John is obviously the one that we have to give a little bit more into. For me, looking in, um, under, what's, what's his name? Sorry, under Cyclone Clocked, um, Wolverine's a bit counterintuitive, as a lot of his benefits and the best place for him to be is away from the rest of your team. Mm-hmm. But to use Cyclops' leadership, unless I'm mistaken, you need to move in three of other characters for them to contribute the power. So that's a little counterintuitive for me. Uh, Storm leadership, I can see the use a little bit more. However, he does have a couple of places on his card, which means generally he's going to be too close to an enemy to benefit from the cover um, shenanigans. And on top of that, as he sort of wants to act as a lone character, you're not really going to be setting up uh, him to measure your flips off on once per round. That being said, as an independent piece that can run inside of those affiliations, I think if you've got threat value where you can build a team to handle sort of the extract slash secures and then have Logan on top of that as somebody that can go off and deal with one-on-one points or, say, hunt down enemy characters with a cube or a spider infected, I think then he might have a little bit of use. As I said, though, Will, I think John is the one uh, with a little bit more insight. That's just my opinion looking in at the uh, Uncanny X-Men roster and the addition of Logan. And I think you are right. They did say that he wouldn't be added there. 
because John's nodding his head. And I also saw some comments that said, oh, this is weird, they've gone back on themselves. So it's interesting that they have actually done that. I'm not sure if that's a mistake. Uh, they might get changed again. We saw it right at the start of the game, I think with Spider-Man at one point, where they accidentally put him in the wrong affiliation and took him back out. But if he does stay affiliated, it would be nice, as it's always great to get more mutants on the table. Absolutely. John, I mean, the, the floor is yours. So I can see what they've done. They've built a Wolverine that, when you look at his card, feels very much like old man Logan Wolverine. He is going to dish out some hurts. He's got some amazing attacks on him. He's got some real benefits for working on his own. He kind of fixes the original fourth at Wolverine, who wasn't even close to the best at what he does. He was just poor all over the shop. Well, hey, um, I'm going to stop you right there for a second. So what you could say is what he did isn't very good. I mean, <laughs> you could say that what he did wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've kind of they've fixed that. But what they've put on his card in terms of all of his bonuses require him to kind of be on his own. And when you play him under Storm, you want him around somebody else for the flip, ideally, to gain that movement. Or under Cyclops, you want him, as Aaron said, to gain the power to reduce the cost of his spender. He just feels a little counterintuitive against both leaderships. And you also have to look that, actually, X-23 does something exceptionally similar. She does it exceptionally well. She's one threat less, and she benefits under both leaderships. So unless there is a really specific scenario somewhere, like maybe Wolverine is chasing down a black cat on a single extract and there's nobody else in sight, I'm not sure when he would ever see the tabletop instead of X-23. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. And... When I look at that, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think like in terms of X Men specifically, you're gonna want X twenty three more often than not. And in terms of how the benefits of the leadership and the affiliation and all that stuff lay out, I think both of y'all really hit the nail on the head. To get the benefit of Cyclops's leadership, you have to be within range three. Well, if you're within range three, then you don't get your reroll stuff, and then you potentially do some damage to your friends. Right. So I think yep. all of that's, you know, that's that's not great either. And then layer into that that you have this storm leadership where you're not going to have cover because you're going to be within range one of people most of the time. So I think that's really insightful and interesting. One thing that I do think that you could potentially do, and again, it's, it forces you to play Cyclops, but I think that Cyclops is the better option for him because you can get that benefit from the X Men Blue and. You're not going to get your rerolls, but maybe you get your your placement, and then you get your your another beam or something like that. Like let's, I'm trying to think of like a pattern that you could do where where it does give you at least a little bit of something, and then you've got yeah. other things like okay. field leader and stuff like that. Like I think there's play in Cyclops, but it's just kind of like you know 4D chess level play that I'm not there for. <laughs> No, there's definitely more playing Cyclops. There's kind of the setup to be within your friends, so you help pay for the first beam, and you place as you go along to place at the end, and then you've got the power to then come back, potentially, to place back where you started, so you can kind of rip through a series of characters. But obviously, on the first placements, you're not going to get your rerolls. Hopefully, by the end, you're outside of range three, so you get your rerolls coming back. But it's a lot of play style, it's a lot of brain power for rerolls on a single character, so... 
It's an intriguing one to me. I quite like the idea of getting him on the tabletop, but it is going to take a lot of play, I think, to work out whether he fits and whether he's better than others. Yeah, very true. Very true. So I, I'm excited to see see what he does. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. I think he works best. Would not we may be jumping ahead here, but he works best in his own affiliation. Oh yeah, in terms in, of in Weapon X, I think you're exactly right. Like that's where he fits yeah. the most. Speaking of, what a great segue, John. You know, you're you're awesome. Uh, Weapon X. So we have the complete affiliation list here, and there was a lot of wild speculation, and I did some of it myself as to who would be affiliated in Weapon X, and. One of the things that's funny to me is, I, I mentioned this when we first found out about Weapon X as an affiliation, you could argue that Captain America should be affiliated in Weapon X because technically he was part of the quote-unquote Weapon Plus program that created Weapon X and all that stuff. Obviously, he's not here, but that would have been hilarious. With that being said, in Weapon X we have Deadpool, Domino, Honey Badger, Logan the Wolverine, Sabretooth Apex Predator, and X-23. So those are all what you would have expected, right? I mean, obviously Deadpool, Domino, Honey Badger, X-23. No questions asked. I mean, X-23 is listed on the card, so that makes sense. But what I find interesting is that the original versions of these characters are not included here. Is that something that you see as odd, John? Yeah, I found it a little odd. I think, realistically, AMG have probably looked at it and they've tried to keep affiliations separate-ish moving forward so we don't have a huge mutant crossover. Because um, we all know how the mutants work in comic books. They've been in, like, 95 different iterations of X-Men, <laughs> maybe the Brotherhood, potentially yeah. the Morlocks. They could have been all over the shop. Um, but the fact that they included the new characters in the old affiliations and didn't go the other way around, I do find surprising to so yeah. So I think it's especially interesting when you factor in that the leadership specifically references James Logan Howlett and not Logan the Wolverine, because that would imply that there's another version of James Logan Howlett somewhere out there in the ether that can play this card as part of Weapon X, because it is the Weapon X specifically affiliated card. Uh, does that ring any bells for you there Aaron yeah so from my understanding although he isn't affiliated OG Wolverine can be the leader in that affiliation I believe okay yeah uh, yeah you know that makes sense yeah you take like X-23 Honey Badger Apex Predator and then you put in OG Wolverine and then he's the leader yeah but that's very very odd yes. for them to have done it that way. <laughs> Yeah, it's extremely odd. So yeah, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting that they that they did it like that. And I'm super excited to play Deadpool in Weapon X. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, Deadpool. I like Deadpool. I've got a lot of work out of Deadpool on the tabletop. Um, to see him in Weapon X, I think he's gonna be great. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. So. Uh, any other thoughts on the affiliation document before we move on to the big bad kitty dad or maybe more sad kitty dad now? I miss the days they used to give us spoilers in affiliation lists where the card used to drop yeah. and we used to see a list of names and we'd all go, oh, oh because yeah. I was really expecting like Lady Deathstrike 
or Phantom X or somebody like that to drop within Weapon X and us all be excited they were coming. It would be really cool. Oh, man. But now they just update it with each release online and I get a little bit sadder each time. Yeah. No, I feel you there because, dude, if we'd have seen like a Phantom X or a Lady Deadstrike, like you said, I'd be like, oh, my God, I would have been freaking out. I would have been losing it. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things I think I missed with those little cards. It was just really like, oh, my God, these characters are nice, but look at who we know is appearing at some point, and we can't wait. Exactly, exactly. It's it's a little less fun now when the affiliation document updates, but I still think it can have some interesting interesting things to talk about like we did today. Not every one of them is interesting, but this one I think was. Here's a question for you, Will. Yeah. The Wolverine's card, now that we have a second Wolverine, and a Weapon X affiliation that may make use of Wolverine and X-23, do you think it will ever see any value? Uh, Well, let me pull it up because I think I need to refresh my memory with it. So Wolverines, for those of you Wolverine. at home, is unaffiliated and active. James Logan Howlett and Laura Kenny may spend three power each to play this card. While James Logan Hallett and Laura Kinney are within range two of each other, they cannot be pushed or thrown by enemy effects. They may re-roll any number of attack dice, and after an attack targeting either of them is resolved, the attacking character suffers one damage if it did not daze or KO the target character. This effect lasts until the end of the round. So, do I see this having play? Um, you know, I think it's one of those, like, this is cute, but I don't think it's something that you're going to want to build around. I, th I think that's fair. We've been having a bit of a conversation in our local about how it works. And I think it will see more time now because it's, it sounds like a great card. You read it and you go, that could be amazing. But it doesn't seem to do very much at the moment. And I was like, well, let's see under Weapon X whether it can. Some of us seem to think it's going to be great scenario dependent. Something like a middle gamma, well, it could be great on. That's exactly what I'm thinking other of us are going, mm, I still don't know if it's worth it. So I was just interested in your opinion. Yeah, so you mentioned Middle Gamma. Like, that's that's where I see this being really valuable is on, on a Gamma-type scenario or, I mean, other than that, I don't really see it being particularly useful. You could maybe argue Intrusions could be a, a good one. Anything that's like a middle, stand-there, slow kind of scoring thing but the problem is on things outside of Gamma, it's really easy just to ignore those characters, right? So you can just say, okay, well, you just spent six power because it's three on each of them. So you just spent six power to stand within two of each other. Cool. I don't care. And I just run away from you. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I would think of that is like, okay, well, they're standing over here in this little defensive bubble. I'll give them this one objective. Like, if, they, if it's on intrusions or demons or uh, what, whatever other objective right like okay cool you're going to commit two characters to being within range two of each other contesting this objective i'm going to run away from you and i'll take i'll take my chances with the other objectives with the other characters whatever and if the other characters in that case are a saber tooth apex predator or even og saber tooth and like he's gonna he's gonna swipe me back or something like that i mean those are decisions you have to make in the moment of the game and do I think Wolverines has play? I absolutely think it does and can have some solid play. It can lock down an area for a turn, potentially securing you a win. I mean, if you run both Wolverine and X-23 to a back gamma, to a ho to your opponent's home gamma, and play this card, I think that could be super strong as well. But let's not forget that both of these characters are going to be wanting to spend their power. 
So sitting there and just saying, okay, well, three power, and and here we go. Like I, I think Wolverine, uh, sorry, the Wolverine, Logan, the Wolverine is going to be wanting to do that beam as often as possible. And Laura loves Claw Rush combined with a frenzy as much as possible. So I, I think all of that kind of layers into something that is interesting. And when it works, it's going to be gangbusters. But it's not going to be something that you're going to want to use all the time. You might include it in your roster. Yeah. Mainly for if you ever draw research station and gamma waves. Oh, yeah. Which obviously depends on you having them in your roster. But that one combination, I think it could be really powerful on the middle point if you're holding it and you choose not to move the researcher. Because that middle point's then worth four VPs, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it right there. And But that's the thing. So that gets into a discussion about roster building where you say, do you take this one card for this one specific scenario? Yeah, and it's weighing that up, isn't it, as opposed to the other five, six scenarios you could potentially come up with. Is right. it worth an entire card slot? Right, and then you got I mean, to factor in that with Weapon X specifically, like if you're playing Weapon X, you're also taking that leadership card most likely, yeah. and you're also taking Dossier most likely, you know. I think, unfortunately, they are going to be quite tight on tactics cards. They are. Um, so due to that, I don't think you'll see it very often. But as I said, if you do see it, I'd imagine it's for those kind of matchups. Yeah. And and look, at the end of the day, when this happens, whether you're playing in a competitive environment or a casual environment, if you just want to play the Wolverines and you want to try to make it happen, I think it would be fun. I think it will be fun. I think, you know, when I when I'm talking about all the different ways to play this and all the different scenarios, it's one where you can you know, look at it and see what it wants to do. And it might not be the most competitive thing, but it'll still be a good time. So. Yeah, sure. I agree with that. I also appreciate your take on that, Will, as I blindsided you a little bit with the question. Hey, man, you know, that's, that's, that's how we do it over here. I'm totally a professional, John. I can, I can riff with the best of them. Oh, oh, I know that, mate. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm totally, totally just winging it over here. You know, we, just, we should change the name of this to Winging It, the podcast, for real. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, so I was at um, Warfare Weekend, which is a tournament we had a, a about a month ago, I guess, and uh, Jesse from Fury's Finest asked me, he's like, hey, so, you know, when you're doing a show, do you have, like, the, you know, how do you do it and all this stuff? I'm like, here, I'll give you a live look. And I, like, pulled out, I stood up, and I did, like, I pantomimed pulling a gun out from a holster on my hip and then, like, shooting, like, I'm shooting from the hip. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's that's the House Party yeah, Protocol podcast right there. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Yeah. So, Jesse is... From everyone I've heard from, shout out to Jesse. Jesse is the man with the nicest voice in Marvel Crisis Protocol. That's how everyone describes him. Oh, uh, um, look, when I've, him. I've tried to like have some settings where I can get a voice like his, but no, my voice is just my voice. <laughs> and you know, like I hear myself when I'm editing, and I'm like, mm, nope, nope, we got to fix this. <laughs> We've just embraced it. We've got such thick accents that it's just. All or nothing for us. We've just got to embrace it. Yep, there it is. So, speaking of embracing things, oh, Lord, the kitty dad might be a little sad, my friends. And let's talk about Malekith and the recent, really out of nowhere errata 
that we got for him. It was there was no pomp and circumstance around this release. It's just boop. Here you go. Here's an errata. So, what changed on Malekith the Accursed? Well, so we got replace the text of the Conqueror of the Ten Realms superpower with the following text. During the power phase, this character gains one additional power. Previously, that read, during the power phase, this character gains one additional power. Additionally, characters cannot modify their attack dice when targeting this character with attacks. So that's the first change. The second change that we got here, replace the power cost of ferocity superpower with three so it used to be two now it's three so first of all before we get into what these changes mean for the character and the overall game aaron did you see a lot of malekith in your games over there when we were at events um there were quite a few of them about the last event that i ran had four of them john yeah four i think it was Mm -hmm. Out of 21 players. So that's a 20%, you know, uptake in Malekiths from everyone that was at the event. I only ever came across him at events twice myself. Um, luckily, I'd really thought through my roster and how I would deal with him. So I was okay doing that. But I hadn't really seen him as much as other characters that had a lot of hype around them, such as, uh, you know, Thanos before the changes, Dr. Voodoo. So it was quite interesting, that was for me at least. Yeah. John, what about for you? Did you see a lot of Malekith in your games? Um, I played Malekith in 50% of the games I played at the last tournament. So Ooh. two from four games were against Malekith. Um, he's popping up less as time moves on from his release. I think when he first dropped, there was a ton of Malekiths in every roster everywhere. Um, he seems to become not more of a niche pick, because I think that's the wrong term, but he seems to have been filtered out to specific affiliations more now where they can squeeze in seventh threat or where they're planning on going with a really tall list so i played a list of three characters that included malekith and the entire aim was ignore objectives and just try and wipe my team out yeah and i think that's where we're seeing more of him now than anywhere else yeah for sure i i think i mean he was popular in every event i went to and by popular i mean roughly that 20 to 30 percent of, of yeah. characters taken like he was there right and it's one of those things where one character taking that often is uh i guess you could say that's a meta thing if you want to put that term onto it I, I don't know if that's how exactly you describe it but he was relatively popular and if you ever played into malekith you knew that you like aaron said had to have a plan or else it could be a little dicey pun intended so, Aaron, again, I want to I want to talk about these changes in a second, but I, I want to kind of paint this picture for everyone out there. What was your plan for Malekith previously? Uh, so previously, if I can get across Malekith, the Web Warriors, I think, are extremely suited to deal with him. So I come from a little bit of a privileged position in the sense that my team already has a little bit of an upper hand. 110% understand certain other teams don't have any answers to him. For me, the answer was uh, to use Black Cat to give him a stagger very easily and very regularly, wherever I could. And then it was a combination of Gwen's lifesaver 
escort to safety and spider tracker to mm-hmm. really negate his charges throughout the game and really leave him a little bit out of position after them because once you sort of take that first uh, sort of hit, that first impact away from him, you know, sort of blunt the, blunt the force a little bit, or even just leave him in a position where he can't make the attack, then he really starts to drop off because he's such a high amount of threat wasted. Yeah, for sure. I think I agree with you in that Web Warriors, especially like the, the secret sauce of Spider Tracker, is yeah. so good. Is so good. I mean, good. more... More recently, Spider Tracker's entered my roster. I know we were on about changes earlier. So Spider Tracker's come back into my roster. I had it in for one event. Didn't like it, dropped it. It's come back in more recently with Malekith. But the surprise tech piece it's really, really good against is Juggernaut. Oh, yeah. So having it against him has been super useful because I've had people push and then be like, cool, I'm going to move and gain more my parametric star. So I'm like, cool, I will Spider Tracker. And there's like, oh... Oh, it's like, yeah, so uh, it's been really useful for that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start from the top of Malekith's card and work our way down. So ferocity going from two to three means that unless you have help, you will not be able to ferocity turn one, which I think is really a nice change. I think that that, that was probably the biggest issue people had with Malekith was the yeah, fact that he could, off the rip, ferocity into someone so if you're just barely across your deployment line he's getting there basically i mean the the range is you know i'm trying like imagine gamma so if you can picture in your head gamma or if you're sitting at the tabletop and you can put gamma out real quick so you can see this like basically if you're contesting your home gamma in any way malik it's pretty much getting there i think he was just a little short if you're all the way at the back but like it was close. It was real close. So those are that's kind of like one of those things where a seven dice attack with a pierce, you know, off the rip with that throw on there made for a, a very tough opening to deal with. So I think making ferocity be three power is really nice. Now, it still is accessible. Things like advanced R&D come into play. Wong comes into play. The different types of affiliations that you put him in come into play, right? So, like, if you splash Malekith into OG Steve Avengers, you're still getting it for two. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily a spot where he wants to be, but at the same time, it's something you can do. So, so I think there's a lot of uh, interesting ways that you can still do it. It's just you. there's an additional cost associated with it. However, John, let me ask you... Do you feel like that after that that first round that this change is really going to make that much of a difference? Um, I don't think it's going to make a massive difference to him post first round. I think first round was where he caused the most problems because you had to weigh up sometimes whether you even contested a central objective if Malekith was there because when he charges in and he's got that seven dice builder with a pierce and then he's still got another action you pretty much know that you are sacrificing a character to death just to stand on an objective. So I think the fact that he can't necessarily do that first turn without other resources being deployed into it and without you having to plan and think for it is a nice change. But by turn two, turn three, he's still probably going to be ferocity in all over the place. But at least by then you've had a chance to look at scoring some objectives, to coming up with a plan if you hadn't got one, 
to getting some points on the board. I think it makes a nice, well, a nicer start to the game, should we say, than it could be if <laughs> he was able to just charge out straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that you have to worry about or look out for is if you do move up to the middle is making sure that you don't start within range four of Malekith because yep. then Malekith could potentially do a blood boil, his beam attack, it's beam four, gain one power, then immediately ferocity into that. So like you have to make sure you, you play into that as well. So that's one of the, I, I don't know if that's even doable, maybe like some, maybe Hulk could get there into in that range. I don't, I don't exactly know like off the, off the midline, how far range four is off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure range four off that big base can reach almost to the midline. So you kind of got to be careful with that. You know, maybe someone has like, maybe he's in shield, you splash him in shield and he gets like the shield sit rep tactical analysis thing moving up and, and doing things that way. So still a lot of things that can happen is, is all I want to say here. But Aaron, how do you feel about this change to ferocity? Do you feel like that this was the most necessary change? And do you feel like this kind of slows them down at all? Um, I do think that this is a good change. I don't know if it's the, if, if I was to change one thing from his card as it was to begin with, I don't know if this is necessarily the first thing I would change, but I do think it has a big, impact round one however i think there are enough things readily available that means it doesn't if if you want malekith to ferocity turn one you're still going to be able to mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to in a lot of situations and a lot of circumstances whether as you said it's through leaderships i mean we've got uh steve avengers will let him do it in humans i know very very unpopular but it will allow him to do it uh a force to a degree if someone gets hit, can do it. Brotherhood can do it. Dormammu leadership can still do it. So there's a lot of ways, just straight off the bat, with your leadership alone, you still do it. Um, advanced R&D, characters like Wong, I suppose. You know, it's still very online. And the problem for me is, as you've already mentioned, after round one, the impact of this change drops off massively because once Malekif does an attack, that attack can generate four, five, six power. So one attack can pay for that increase in superpowers cost for the rest of the game. Yeah. Obviously, it does affect the economy. Obviously, it takes away from the, the power that he, he would have to pay for things. But I think realistically, unless you're doing lots of uh, Butcher of Four attacks, you know, the really big spenders, I think you're going to have a little bit of power lying around anyway. So it's not the change I'd have cried out for the most, but it is definitely a big change term one if the player doesn't have some way of bringing that online. And it will mean you see Malekith in less um, affiliations that can't do that as easily, which I think is a good change because you don't want a character splashed everywhere ultimately. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And I think that it's one of those things where you mentioned Wong. Like, let, I, I want to focus on Wong for a second because I think he's kind of the like ideal character here because Advanced R&D takes up a tax card slot and it's you know you get it that one time and just for one ferocity turn one i don't necessarily know if it's worth it now let's think about wong and what wong brings to a team or and specifically a malekith splash into a team or even as part of malekith cabal you're putting in wong there and you're giving him that power turn one 
to get ferocity online and that means you're committing to nine threat as as just your starting point does that have any value at all really do you think aaron is that is that a good place to start is saying okay i'm gonna have long malekith just so i can get ferocity turn one i think it entirely depends on the player the play style and the threat value for example at 14 threat you know that's not a good idea i don't think and then boy the same sort of logic myself personally as a flat a player i really really dislike the idea of ever having more than a six threat character having nine threat just to sort of bring one online is a big no-go for me um, in terms of how much i want to invest and risk in an action or activation however at 20 threat you know you've got one malekith there's still space for three or maybe even four other characters so you could possibly see you know that it wouldn't be too bad of a use there Wong does have some use later on in the game. We used him in a battle report recently on the channel. Uh, I was quite surprised, Wong, to be honest, with the healing that he can put out. But again, a non-threat package for Malekith. Can he carry that burden on his shoulders? Arguably not so much as he could before with the other challenges we've seen. Yeah. So let me let me throw something spicy out here that I've literally just been thinking of while we've been talking about this. So... I never really played Malekith ahead of time. It was never really something that I was was particularly into. Didn't really fit my game plan. Like I like to play more of like attrition control, control attrition kind of a thing. And yeah. you know, I play Convocation mainly right now. So it, you know, he never really kind of fit with what I wanted to do per se. Now, I'm always taking Wong as part of my Convocation. Uh, I'd say always. We're like ninety percent of the time. So yeah. Malekith, Wong, Strange Supreme, that's 14, and then throw in a Baron Mordo, that's 17. I don't hate that 17 on Deadly Meteors. I don't hate that 17 on the Montesi formula or or some of these other crisis setups. Uh, like if we play at 17 but we're on intrusions or demons or something, I don't hate that. And so like I'm kind of sitting here looking at this like, Maybe this is the time I play Malekith? Maybe? I don't know. John, what do you think? Um, I have played Malekith once. He's good, don't get me wrong, but seventh threat is a big chunk to be putting into one character, and that's always kind of been my issue with him, is actually, could oh. I run two other characters that I get more use out of moving forward? Um, but I can see why you would put him in. I can see why you would run him. Um, in terms of your spitballing just, I think if you are going to flex him in with Wong, maybe, a very central scenario, similar to the ones you've just said, are probably the way to go, because you can just charge from one point to the next point and back and forth, wiping things out. I think if he's on a really widespread, he probably becomes easier to deal with. And he doesn't earn his threat value, which is kind of why I struggle with squeezing him in places, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that there's something there. I would need to test it out a little bit. But now let's talk about the change to Conqueror of the Ten Realms. So this is personally where I think the biggest problem with Malekith was is like ferocity being online turn one, cool. You just had to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like you had to you had to either play slow or or do something and just, you know, deal with that in some way, right? 
So yep. I, I'm, I, I'm happy that it changed to three, but the, this, this thing, not being able to modify your attack dice when targeting Malekith was so punishing. Oh, it was horrid. Because most of the attacks in the game, not all, but most of the attacks in the game are four to five dice, right? Like that's what you're going to be doing most of the time. And when you have a character like Malekith who's rolling four defenses across the board and can spend a power to change one of his skull results to a critical result, it meant that he was wildly tanky into those four and five dice attacks. So you had to come at him with your spender or with characters like Juggernaut, Hulk, that have these big swings and just pray that you hit it. But we've all had that attack or those games where you're rolling eight dice, you're rolling nine dice, you're rolling six dice and literally just not doing anything. We've all had those games. It happens. That's Marvel dice for you. And I love it. I have those games a lot. <laughs> yeah. Look, I just played a game recently here locally and I dumped 36 dice into a red guardian. And you know what he did not do? He did not die. <laughs> yeah yeah and the, most of them were mystic so like he had the four defense but he couldn't count the blanks so i was like okay this seems good no just no anyways i I'm digress overkill. It, it, you would think you would think uh <laughs> but uh, uh <laughs> on back to malekith here and this to me was the most punishing part of his kit and and it was the part of his kit where it just it just really hurt and so when I'm talking about that idea of throwing him into my convocation list, I'm thinking, okay, so how do we keep him alive now? Because now you've got characters, for instance, like I run, Strange Supreme is going to delete this dude. Yes, it's going to take a little work. You can't do 10 damage in one attack most of the time. But Strange Supreme being able to chew through his health is going to be huge. Characters like Sentinel Prime being able to provide rerolls to the team as a whole as they're attacking into Malekith, huge. The uh, Criminal Syndicate with Shadowlands Daredevil being able to get rerolls are going to be huge into Malekith. And if you leave Malekith in a bad position, which you are very likely to do if you're activating him and you're playing him, so like the, the pattern would be something like Activate Malekith late turn one, and then maybe potentially early turn two based on where he is on the board and get as much damage out as possible. Now you're going to have to really rethink your limits on him, I think. Because I think that if you if you play too aggressive with him, especially into something like a criminal syndicate or with people that have a lot of rerolls or access to a lot of rerolls, it could be really punishing. And uh, Aaron, I'd like to get your opinion on that. It did feel bad, um, John. I know you can 100% relate to this. Going against Malekith with a leadership or a whole host of characters where, you know, your sort of game plan is to reroll those. Yes. It does. Sorcerer Supreme, Strange, both copies of Strange, X23. Um, there's loads of characters where not being able to modify is. It, it not only takes away the strength of their attacks and their kit, but it also makes them a lot less interesting to play. Look, for me, when I've used Doctor Strange, 
it's like a, a, a huge wager. It's like, oh, do I do I risk the eye of Agamotto and reroll my attack dice? And Malekith would sort of just go, oh, you can't. Exactly. Um, so, I, it, it was hugely negative. I really didn't like it. And I don't think it's that bad, the superpower itself, the superpower that prevents you modifying dice. However, we've seen it before on characters like Angela, who was a 5 threat. Uh, Medusa, I believe, has it with Living Airstrands, who's a four threat, and they're they're quite pricey characters, really. Four threat, four threat. That's big investments for your roster when you know we consider the scale of the games we play. However, with Malekith being a seven threat, it shut down so much because he's such a priority for your team that you're already going to be investing the majority of your characters into dealing with him. So it it just felt really bad because. As I said, with a Medusa, you know, your characters occasionally lose out on rerolls when they attack her. And with a Malekith, as it's all efforts to bring him down, you know, you really feel the impact of that loss. So I don't necessarily think it was the superpower that I hated. It was more it being on him specifically with the toolkit he had that was super aggressive, super high threat. You know, it, it just really hurt. John, you've said it yourself it turned off your leadership for the most part because Malekith, you, you have to deal with him. So your leadership gives you rerolls where you're not going to be using them. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy winging it. Suddenly you can only use them when defending, not attacking into him. There's, there's just a lot. Wakanda, uh, for example, X-Force. Ju- just a lot where you really lose out on, on sort of the personality of your team as well as the effectiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, how, how do you feel about this? Obviously, you agree there, but how do you feel about this change and how it impacts the character or how you play into the character? I think it's a really nice change. Um, I think his kit is strong. His kit previously was super strong. It was probably seven threats worth of strength, but with the amount of dice he was putting out, with the amount of hurt he could do, and with the fact that when you tried to hit him back, there was very little you could do because you couldn't modify your dice, but hope you had a natural spike. Um, It felt as though your opponent could just move him around the table, charge him to wherever he wanted to go, and you kind of sat there and hoped that their dice fluffed rather than you could do a great deal about it. Whereas now, it doesn't turn off so many leaderships. It doesn't turn off so many characters. It doesn't completely negate certain tactics cards if you want to use them into him. Mm -hmm. I think it makes him easier to deal with in some respects, but it also gives the person who's playing him more tabletop decisions around where they put him. Do they use him against certain teams? How do they play him a little bit differently to the constant, just send him up the table and he'll rip apart anything he touches. It makes him a little bit more of a thought piece, um, which I think is good because anything that you can literally just put down, point at something, and you know it's almost going to delete it, doesn't feel like the greatest play experience. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's part of why I think that this whole idea of him in Convocation is interesting now because with the Convocation leadership being able to place within range one after taking damage once per turn means that, okay, if he is overextended a little bit, you can maybe get him out to safety a little bit or something like that. And so I find that to be an intriguing proposition. Whereas before... You could always do this before, and it probably made more sense before, but now it's like when you're looking at places for, for him to go, I think that that is, the, uh, is an interesting spot for him and one that I might be trying out soon. But 
how do you feel you need like to let me know how that goes oh i will don't worry i'll i'll let everybody know how that goes uh <laughs> but let's now look at it from a perspective of instead of playing against malekith when you're playing malekith now do you feel like that you have to lean into getting ferocity online turn 1 or do you have to just be like okay cool this is going to cost 3 now and and i can just delay delay the the death flow as it were which which pattern do you think is more important there john i'm still very much i think now you're probably going to delay a turn or so i think it gives you a nice option to do something else your opponent is likely to think oh actually he's not such a huge threat immediately and will probably come a little bit further up the table which means you'll probably get the same value out of his ferocity turn two that you would have previously got turn one and i don't think realistically it's going to make a huge amount of difference to you playing him just waiting that single turn for it to work um you may also find that you play him more centrally as opposed to picking a side and just running through it so as you can weigh up what your opponent does as to where you go with him next yeah I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see how the Malekith players set him out now and what they do with him. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that the if if it wasn't already, which it pretty much was, his tactics card, Midnight Phantasmagoria, if you splash him, you have to have this card. Because it is, yeah. it, it is one, super powerful. Two, it is a great way to heal him. Because you're going to need to make sure that you heal this character and... A lot of times what I've seen is when playing against Malekith, it's it's pile on, get as close to Malekith as possible, and and try to just pile on as much dice as possible. And now with Midnight Phantasmagoria, if you can heal, I had someone, I was playing against Malekith, my entire team, I think I had four characters, he healed four damage and pushed all four of them away. And they were Sentinels, so they were super sad. <laughs> so, Yeah. Three of them were Sentinels. So, yeah, I, I think Midnight Phantasmagoria, if you're playing Mal, is a requirement. Yeah, definitely now he can't stop you modifying those dice. There are situations where you're going to really want that heal, possibly more than the push, whereas it felt at the minute you'd take the card for the push because the push was huge, the healing was a bonus. Yeah. Whereas I think now moving forward, it's very much going to be, actually, I want that heal, and I'll deal with whatever the push brings afterwards. Yeah. So, Aaron, I'm going to ask you, these two changes combined, does Malekith still feel like a seven-threat character to you? I don't know, and that's my honest answer. And I think this is the most interesting part of the discussion. Yes, it's very clearly nerfed him. Has it nerfed him too much is something I've seen a few people ask. No. I don't think it has... I don't I don't know honestly. I think we're gonna to have to see some games of it. It's very odd. Um for me, you could take or leave the ferocity change. And I think the re not the being able to re-roll into him would have been enough for him to be fine personally. He'd mm -hmm. still be strong and John, I know you're there like, oh god no, but I, I honestly think if they'd have just made it so you can re-roll into him, kept everything else the same, that he'd be fine. He's 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 starting to drop off in um, how much we've seen him at events anyway. He is a seven-threat character, ultimately. I mean, I've got no interest in playing him, um, so I've never bought one. But, you know, the people that have bought one, whether or not he was overpowered before, um, that's not the point I'm making. 
he's been nerfed now, and it was a big investment to buy such a big model. So I, I don't know. It was very, very out of the blue, the changes. I think we're going to have to wait and see before we can realistically um, say one way or the other, if that sort of makes sense. I, I think it does. And I'll give my opinion after I ask John kind of the same question, but do you feel like that this is going to be like we saw when Enchantress and Medusa were both nerfed, specifically those two characters? They were ubiquitous. Like you went to an event, top tables, and Enchantress and or Medusa, some combination thereof at, at events, right? That was That was a very common thing. So do you feel like that this is going to be like Malekith, where those characters are not played nearly as much. And it, I feel like they're both still very good characters. Medusa specifically is still very, very good, but barely gets played compared to what she was before. And she was probably too strong before. Like, I can agree with that, maybe, you know, but it, it doesn't matter. But I feel like that the fact that she was nerfed lowered her, her perception I guess, within the community. Do you feel like the same thing's going to happen to Malekith? I don't think so, personally. I feel like when we compare to Enchantress and Medusa before, they were both four threat. They were very easy to splash into any roster at any threat value, and the impact they had on the table was phenomenal for their threat value in terms of what they could do, in terms of how they could win the games on their own, and they didn't cost you a great deal. I think Malekith being seventh threat, makes that very different yeah. because we don't see him in every roster like you would have with Enchantress before. You probably see him, like we've already said, in about 20% of rosters. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably going to stay in somewhere around about the same sort of percentage of rosters because he isn't so easy to splash in in every threat value in every game. You still want to go tall with him. He still has a lot of value. Yes, his superpower is costing one more, but as we said earlier, turn two onwards, I don't think that matters. Um, his ability to prevent you re-rolling dice now is a loss and probably a big loss for him. But I don't think it devalues him enough for the players who were using him to suddenly just pop him to the side and for us to not see him again. Um, I think he's in a very different spot and already was in a different spot to Enchantress and Medusa and the likes of those when they were around on the top table. Yeah, no, that's, that's really fair. The other thing I want to hit on here real quick with you, what you said, Aaron, is the investment aspect of it. I mean, at the end of the day, this was a $100 model, I think. And, you know, he's still super viable on the tabletop. But you're definitely taking a little bit of a hit there. And so if you're going to buy this model, if you don't already have it, it definitely is a, something to think about now. Maybe try him out in a few games on TTS. There's always people available to play on TTS. So I would do that before you commit. See if you like where he sits now. For sure. Um, quickly, just the other thing that's a little bit odd for me from AMG is obviously with all the cards that changed before we got a card pack, uh, we've seen some things where it's a very small uh, clarification. Yeah. However, realistically, if you look at Malika's cards, this does change the layout of his card quite a bit. He loses a couple of lines of text. Uh, one of his superpowers has been increased. So it, it, it is a different card. It's not just, a, oh, this attack was meant to be energy, or, oh, it was meant to be four, not five dollars. So I just hope that at some point there's a way of getting an updated card for him. Um, I don't own him, but if I did own him, it would really bug me that I'd got such an expensive model and the card was just not valid. I, yeah. I get why they've done it, but I, I also think it would be good if they'd offer a way 
to get an up-to-date card for him. Yeah, I, I think they should definitely do something like that. I've seen a few people online make some updates that look solid, so yeah. you know that's always an option, but uh, definitely, and that's another thing. If you're going to an event and your opponent is trying to play Ferocity for two power, trying to play the no-modifying dice, people genuinely might not know. Like, honestly. Yeah, for sure. So, so there's ways to not be a jerk about it, but to be like, hey, just so you know, there was a recent errata. Have it available on your, your phone or whatever and be yeah. like, hey, this was just put out by AMG. Check this out, you know, a- as they're trying to play this character. Or even if you see it in their roster, be like, hey, you know there was an errata to that, right? Because yeah, they might sure. they might have a different game plan if they know that that errata exists and whatnot. So... Just, just I would recommend doing that because it, it's very easy to not realize that certain things have been errated. Definitely, and to be honest, um, this isn't an errata that's very easy to immediately find either. I don't think when you're looking for updates and changes, and you go onto the website, for example. Exactly, exactly. It's it's not super easy to find sometimes. So, with that said, my initial hot take on these two things combined for Malekith. I personally feel like he is an extreme liability uh, at this point. Uh, I initially thought he was an extreme liability. As I've thought about it more, you just have to be significantly more thoughtful with where you put him, how you deploy him, how you move about the tabletop with him. Because Seven threat is a heavy investment. If you think about how much threat value that equates to, that is seven threats. So let's say a four and a three. That's four extra actions that you're able to take during a game round that you're pumping into one character. So that one character needs to feel like you're getting three to four actions worth of value out of them because they're so expensive. Yeah. Right? So... I think now with the Conqueror of the Ten Realms not being being changed, like that to me was the the one change that needed to happen, more so than Ferocity. Yeah. I agree with you there, Aaron. And and it's not worth hashing out whether or not he was broken or not before. But now it is an extreme liability to have him on the tabletop and not have some kind of way to keep him alive, some kind of defensive tech, something to try to Get that value out of him because, again, you're only getting two actions. So if you have a character across the table like a black cat that can stagger him very easily, these other characters that can apply stagger, I mean, a Luke Cage can do it on his builder. There's plenty of other access to stagger out there, but those are just two that come to mind really easily. Things like that are are really going to hurt. A Loki is really going to play a part in Malekith now, like if you're going into a Loki yeah, and, and you're within range four, now that ferocity all of a sudden is going to cost you four power. It's huge. Definitely. So um, for me, Will, one of the big bonuses to the Web Warriors is now that Moon Knight can also potentially stagger him a lot easier because on an all webbed up turn, you've got six stars. You just need a hit crit wall on that builder. You know, yeah. you have staggered him, and I think it does. I think you've summed it up perfectly. It makes Malekith a liability at this point. Yeah, and, and that would be the biggest 
like reason why I would not want to take him on the tabletop is because stagger is such an easy access thing. Like I don't, I feel like that it's a seven threat character and yes, he was probably doing an eight threats work previously. Again, you know, there's a lot of argument for that. However, now with how easy access stagger is for most rosters and how easy access rerolls are for most rosters, he's, he's going to be a liability. And, and it's, it's one that, like I said, like in my convocation, the idea of playing him there and, and trying to kind of put that puzzle together with the, the leadership and all that stuff. I think that sounds fun and intriguing and, and I might try it, but if I'm, I see a black cat in my opponent's roster across the table. I've not taken him because you're just asking to get no value out of this big, bad kitty model that you brought, you know? Well, the stagger basically, in essence, you lose three and a half threat value for the turn, don't you? Which is crazy. Exactly. That's exactly it. And so while I'm, I'm here for these nerfs, I really am because you know, like I've been, quote unquote punished by Malekith. And, and yeah. I'm, I know anyone listening to this that's played at any event that's gone up against Malekith or just casually played against Malekith, it, it can hurt. It really can. But he wasn't like the force of all forces. But but it was definitely it needed to change. However, I definitely feel like that with this change you needed to do something else to kind of keep him from from being a liability like he I think now is. I don't think he's unplayable. I think he's still perfectly playable. I think playing him in Cabal, I know I have a friend of mine that has some tech that sounds pretty spicy. I'm not going to give it away until after this weekend's event, but it sounds spicy, but I still think that it runs into the problems like I've mentioned before of any anything that can apply stagger screws it up. So, you know, all that to say I, I I think Malekith will will we we mentioned how he's about in twenty percent of of rosters currently at events and stuff. I, I think we'll see that go down pretty significantly. Maybe you see him in about ten percent of rosters. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting, I think. And uh, with that, John, I want your final thoughts on on how you think Malekith's going to be going forward, and then we'll get into some questions. I think he's going to be. Slightly problematic for anybody playing him for a little while, but I do think once they work out what they're doing with the slightly new and possibly less improved Malekith, he's still going to go back to probably doing very similar things to what he did before. He's just going to need a little bit more support than he needed, but I still think in the right matchups, on the right scenarios, he will still delete things from the table. He will still feel strong. It's just going to take people a little bit of time to work out how this new Malekith benefits the most on the tabletop. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that you can look at it like, whereas previously it was a fire and forget missile. Now it kind of has to be more of a laser guided missile. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Like I, I just watched Top Gun Maverick again recently. So like, you know, you definitely gotta like pull some G's on that tiger, and 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 really get into those those places there. <laughs> I really think we're going for the danger zone reference at the end, then. Oh yeah, definitely a highway to the danger zone, buddy. 
So, uh, the last thing, oh God, sorry, uh, the last thing we have to talk about today that is news that just happened while we were recording is they revealed the pictures for a couple of new models. And oh my God, we got Agent Venom coming, and holy crap, that sculpt is amazing. It's so good. Oh so, my so good. God, that's amazing. Like, okay, y'all know, y'all know if you've been listening to this for a long time and if you haven't if you're new here welcome i love the green goblin sculpt it is still one of my favorites not anymore officially this is it this right here is amazing that is the coolest sculpt holy crap so so good all cannot white will um it's about about time we got some more web warriors <laughs> i know right and then you've got jessica drew standing here looking awesome too I, look jessica Drew's great that's a good model but my God, <laughs> this Agent Venom model is insane. Oh, it's class. I don't think how good his model is does Jessica Drew's model any favors. No. I think the fact they've put them both together makes Jessica Drew's just look a bit like, oh, yeah, it's Jessica Drew. Whereas I'm sure it will look much nicer when we see it in person. Yeah. But I saw it and went, oh, okay. But Venom, oh, Agent Venom looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm going back to playing Web Warriors now, guys. Just want y'all to know when these models drop, I will I will be back yeah, to playing I'm, Web Warriors. I'm more after playing Web Warriors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, this looks awesome. And they also in the description have some nice little spoilers for us. They have they say uh, Jessica Drew's espionage training and Spider Venom strikes make her a fighter to be reckoned with. So that's kind of fun. Uh, and then there comes with four team tactics cards. And it says, uh, fighting alongside other spider-themed heroes, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and more. So that implies that we're getting a Guardians of the Galaxy-affiliated Flash Thompson Agent Venom 2. Oh, boy. Sure, yeah. Oh, man. Um, whilst we're on the topic of where they're going to be affiliated, I think Agent Venom's going to be Web Warriors, Guardians, S.H.I.E.L.D., and then Jessica Drew, definitely Web Warriors, 90% sure she'll be A-Force. She could even make her own way into S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Fun fact about Jessica Drew. She could also be Hydra. Yeah, so someone mentioned this, <laughs> and I was, I've just messaged him saying, what are you on about? Will, could you enlighten me? Because I have no idea. Well, so Jessica Drew started out as a villain, as a Hydra agent. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then she became a good guy. And so, I mean, oh. yeah, one for one right there. That's like, she's, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that'd be pretty spicy if she's affiliated like four or five places. Yeah, that would definitely be very interesting. Oh, yeah. And I know somewhere out there, Nate from the Gamers Guild got his wings, finally getting <laughs> Agent Venom here. Oh, my gosh. He's been so excited for that. So, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Nate hasn't passed out on the sofa somewhere. Just oh, sheer excitement. When I saw the Fire style, it's like, this is it. It's happening. It, it, it's it's officially happening. Sound the alarms. Yeah. It's on. I know exactly who that is. I recognize the, the silhouette of the pistol in his hand, the one at the end of the two tendrils. I, like, I know this model. I cannot wait. I don't think I've been this excited in such a long time, honestly, yes. for an MCP. Oh, my God. He looks so cool. And, and I'd be remiss if we didn't mention, so I haven't talked about it yet, that we also got a Rhino spoiler as well. So I'm excited yeah. for Rhino. But, my God, this, like... Agent Venom looks so cool. I honestly think the next, say, three or four boxes of MCP are going to contain some of the best sculpts we've seen so far. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So after this extreme hype that we just had, um, let's go to some show questions that we have here. So if you're interested in uh, getting some show questions on us, you can check out our Discord. Uh, you can get access to that through Patreon. It's patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, where for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year, you can come and hang out and get access to our Discord channel, some fun over there, we talk about all kinds of stuff, MCP, uh, Marvel Snap, painting, different events that are going on, different games, all kinds of stuff. It's a great time, so super worth it. It's the, the chillest and the illest and the realest. I really mean that, and it is my favorite community on the internet. So uh, I want to say thank you to all the suits over there that make that a thing. We got some show questions over there. And uh, Derail14Me says, what's the best ways to deal with Mal now? Well, I think we covered that earlier. I think Stagger is still the primo number one A1 plus prime choice deluxe way to deal with him now. Like, it's even better than it was. But um, really, just just dumping attacks into him. At this point, there's no negative to dumping attacks into him. So just, just punishing him with attacks, pounding him with attacks, stacking rerolls, all that kind of stuff, I think, is really strong now. Uh, Aaron, do you have any other thoughts on that? Um, I don't know if it's just my hope off the back of using the defenders. I think Doctor Strange is such a good answer to Malekith now. Oh, but yeah. he's honestly great against him. Completely agree. Completely agree. And that is the um, for those anyone wondering, that's the OG Doctor Strange who can boost his allies' defense styles around him. He can potentially activate Malekith himself. He can do huge amounts of damage to him now that he can reroll. Uh, he can heal friendly characters, and he can push Malekith. It's just going to really, really upset him. I genuinely think um, he's just a grand to him. Yeah, agree. John, any other addendums to that? I'm going to go out on a really wide, lesser seen pick. I think binary form Captain Marvel, now you can re-roll dice, is going to have a field day from for range sure. four with Malekith and just be like, ha ha, eat all these dice. See you later. For sure. Love it. Yeah. And if you go into her, she's going to get the extra defense stuff. So like, yeah, no, yep. no, yep. thanks. No, thanks. Uh, so half as Ninja says, do you think there is going to be a dramatic decrease in the amount of mouths that we're going to see splashed now? And I already said this a little bit ago. I actually do. I think, I think the splash will be way less. And I think we'll just see a, a, a pretty big drop off in general of what we're going to see. Uh, and then a side question, do you think that we are going to see Shadowlands and Guardians making a big comeback now? John, I'll let you answer this one. Um, I don't think Shadowlands and Guardians, particularly on this side of the pond, ever really went away. No, not at all. <laughs> um, Shadowlands is obviously what I run. A couple of other players picked it up at the last tournament to run it. I know it's run in a lot of other places. Guardians is the same. It's been consistent since their leadership change. There weren't really any negatives to running either of those affiliations other than you'd occasionally come up against a Malekith and your leadership would get turned off. But for most of the other games, it was still a perfectly good leadership, still an exceptionally useful leadership. So in terms of what we see, probably no difference, but I can only speak for our local area and our kind of scene in the UK, to be honest. Nice. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they had too much of a drop-off, but I think they'll be just that little bit better into Malekith now. 
Oh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to playing him more now with Shadowlands than I was the last time I played him. Yeah. So, next up we have Leland. In relation to the re revised Mal, where do you see Dormammu? And do the power levels feel more appropriate? Or is Dormammu still weak by comparison? So that was always a big argument, was that Malekith felt more powerful than Dormammu. And... I think that's a, an interesting discussion point that Leland brings up here is how these two relate to one another now. And I definitely feel like that in terms of like one for one power level, Dormammu is just a little better, like just eh, a little bit better because Dormammu has a great leadership, but you're, you're tied to having to use his leadership. Dormammu has a really good, Builder, if you want to call it a builder, his base attack, I guess you could say, Shadow Bolt, six dice, range four energy. It's got the hex on a wild and a sap on a wild. Very good. He's got his own placement, stuff like that. I think that now these two characters feel closer than they were before, but I still feel like Dormammu has his limitations. That if you can get around those limitations, then it's pretty good. But if if things go wrong, then Dormammu is still just as much of a liability as Malekith is. But the nice thing that Dormammu has that Malekith does not is immunity to stagger. Aaron, how do you feel about this? Definitely agree with you, Will. Um, with everything that you said regarding that. I think... I, th I think, realistically, I think the big difference is they do feel closer in power now, but I think being tied into Dormammu's leadership is what makes the big difference between the two. Malekith, you can splash. So I think there are times he's still going to seem far more powerful because you can put him under good leaderships. You can put him alongside other amazing characters. Whereas Dormammu's ability to have to take his leadership sometimes makes him feel a little weaker than he probably would be if you could splash him elsewhere. And I'm not gripping on his leadership because I think his leadership is solid. But I think there are probably other places you'd like to splash him if it was feasible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think Dormammu still stands up as an out-threat character. One of yeah. our local players, Dan Humpitch, great friend of mine, a really great guy. His obsession is with big models. Yep. Um, and he runs Dormammu Malekith in the same team very, very often. He's pretty brutal, uh, as you can imagine. Yeah. And I, oh, I admire his tenacious love for Dormammu. But I just don't think, especially when you run them together, I think it really shows that one of them is lacking. And then when you consider that it's the one that costs more, it really, it's just very odd. I'd like to see changes to Dormammu. I mean, I don't want there to be a flood of changes that are like Malekith, where it's a line of text on a document that isn't the most immediately recognizable that isn't the most easily accessible and that's yeah. not me ragging on amg at all i love amg i think that what they're doing for the game is incredible absolute phenomenal uh into the way that they're in touch with the community however i don't want a flood of these type of changes but a few characters could do with them dormammu is one of them for me yeah i agree with that i think that dormammu needs a little work uh to feel like an eight threat like like when dormammu works holy crap he he works right but like yep. in those situations where it's just way too easy to just dump on him when you can just flood the board with activations because 
he can't deal with multiple activations himself. Again, it goes into that like action economy thing that we talked about a little bit with Malekith, where you've got an eight threat character, which if you think about it, that's potentially two threes and a two worth of character, worth of actions. That's six actions that can make up a Dormammu who only gets two. So it's like, crazy. So yeah, exactly. It's crazy. And, and he has to do so much with those two actions to make up for what the, the other types of characters you could get on the board that could do that stuff. I mean, it's a minimum at minimum Dormammu costs you four actions per round because there, you could have a six threat and a two threat or two fours, or like I said, a, a bunch of a threes and, and a two. So like, it's a minimum of he's costing you four actions to get, and you're only getting two. So it's the same thing with, with Malekith there that you have to be able to get that value out of him. And as we have talked about during this podcast and just at the life of house party protocol, that the Marvel dice are crazy. And if you don't get those crazy dice, it's a lot less good. So yeah, that's a good question though, Leland. So I appreciate it. Uh, Last question that I have here is Mad Mulligan says, with this new errata, do you think that people will want to play Malekith for reasons other than the meta can finally do something without being seen in a negative light? So, yeah, I mean, if you were playing Malekith before, it wasn't that you were like a mean person. Just, you know, you had to realize what that it was the kind of the extra strong model. So, like, you know, I don't think that that now you can play him and be like, okay, well, this isn't a negative because we're just playing this model. Like for me, I'm, if I play him in my convocation, like I'm still choosing violence, but, but maybe I'm not being as mean. I don't know. But uh, John, do you feel, how do you feel about this question? Um, I think it's an interesting question. I, I think a lot of people initially put him in the roster because he was strong and it was easy mode and he could just melt the side of a table. And then if there was time and there was capacity, move across and try and melt the other side of the table. But I also think that a lot of players removed him quite quickly after that, which is why we don't see so much of him now because the community on a whole for MCP are exceptionally good. The community on a whole is exceptionally about playing quality games and having fun games across the tabletop is what I found. So a lot of players were like, actually, he can be quite negative, so I'm not going to run him. Whereas I feel now with the changes, as we've said, he requires a little bit more finesse. He's going to require a little bit more work. Some of those people might pop him back in and feel a little bit less like they're playing on easy mode. So it could only be good realistically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So, uh, yeah, did you guys have any uh, questions? that I saw you ask a question in your Discord. Uh, yeah, Will. So if you don't mind, all that we had was James, who wants to know uh, favorite affiliation wish list of characters and one change you'd make to the game so rather than us answer this john ask you will so what would you answer to those questions all right so what was the first one again the favorite affiliation oh man so probably convocation right now but web warriors is a close second nice nice after that will uh wish list of characters so if you could give us fantastic give four. Us free one. fantastic four just all right, four instead. You, it, I mean, it could be more than four if you're talking to Franklin and uh, true, true. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Um, 
very straight up there, Will, so at least you know where your mind is set. Oh, I'm not that hyped for them, personally. Are you, John? I am hyped for the Fantastic Four release in terms of Doom. Doom. Okay. Other than that, the Fantastic Four, and I'm probably about to get booted off every Marvel server ever, have never interested me. <laughs> hey, look. Sorry, it, Will. No, that's okay. Look, they, 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 you know, they, they were some, you know, white bread, milk and toast, you know, team for a while there, if I'm being honest with you. You know what I mean? Like, they, they were uninteresting at times in their publication history. But in, in the last decade or so, even when they were out of publication for a while, um, following Jonathan Hickman's Battle World, Secret Wars stuff, it's I I love Fantastic Four. There's there they were kind of like one of those them and the X Men were what I grew up with the most. And my uncle who got me into comics loved the Fantastic Four. That was his favorite thing. He had Fantastic Four number one, you know. So like that was his thing, and. So I just really grew up loving them and loving those characters and like the family dynamic I always found to be interesting and, and stuff like that. And then, like I said, Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four run, which if you haven't read, I highly recommend. Like if you're on Marvel Unlimited and you have an opportunity, Fantastic Four, Jonathan Hickman, it's so good. So, yeah. I did enjoy that run. I won't lie, but I've always enjoyed them more as cameos in other stories than reading their own stuff. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, yeah, they're some of my favorite characters. And like you said, Doom is excellent. So like, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm super well, here for lastly, that. Lastly, uh, Will, this is quite a big question, but one change that you would make to the game? Hmm. That is a big question. Um. Uh. Well, it. <laughs> I would change the Sentinels a little bit <laughs> because I feel like they're just ever so slightly underwhelming. Um, now if we're talking about like, like big minutia changes, like big, big changes to the game as a whole, um, I I don't really know if there's anything like, there's nothing that I really hate or, or, or feel like that needs to make a drastic change. It's just more little things here and there. Like I said, to, to the Sentinel specifically would be one where I feel like they need either a four defense or some kind of damage reduction or something because they just, they go down way easier than you think they should oh yeah for sure we um when we had sort of an early reveal battle report on the channel john's x-men absolutely demolished them uh in the end really really put the hurt on them so i can 100 percent agree with that one yeah so uh, other than that though i mean i'd say that there's just again little things but nothing too too major i just yeah. want more characters sure. uh, as always definitely uh, that's all of our questions, though, Will. So thank you very much for taking the time to answer them. Yeah, no problem, no problem. And um, that brings us to the end of the episode. So, uh, guys, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find John and us. John, uh, he, he, he's never really been officially deemed it, but John has ultimately become my co-host, I suppose, on Web Warrior Protocols. You can find us over on YouTube under Web Warrior Protocols. You can find us on Facebook under the same thing. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, again, Web Warrior Protocols, and then where it all started is webwarriorprotocols.com. It's, it's definitely.com. Yeah, it, WordPress. Yeah, it'll be the same for you. I'm just, I was just thinking whether it'd be the same yeah. based on where you are, but I think it is, isn't it? It's, it's still that time, time, yeah. Here's so you how you do that. It, you just Google you Web Warriors it. Protocols. There you go. Well, yeah, just Google us, and, and we should come up. <laughs> yeah, so... 
definitely do that. Make sure to check them out. Give them some love over there. Like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out the blog, all of that fun stuff. Our goal is to hit a 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We're on 821 at the minute, so we need a big haul right just to push through, um, but hopefully we can do it. Yeah, check the link in the description, and all you got to do is click on that link, then click subscribe. It's like two clicks. You, you got this, Suits. I believe in you. So, I believe in you too, guys. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, make sure to check us out. Like I said, on Patreon, you can check out patreon.com slash house party protocol. And, uh, it's a good time and it's so greatly appreciated. I can't express enough my gratitude to everyone that chooses to support this podcast over there. It is, I'm, I'm constantly humbled by it and, and I really greatly appreciate it. And, and I cannot really express enough how it's just insane that, that y'all like this enough to do that. Like I, 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 I love it and I appreciate it so much. So check it, that out. You can it send- is a super nice community too. I know I stalk more than I talk in your uh, discord, but it is exceptionally pleasant all of the time. Yeah. It's absolutely lovely. Um, the house party protocol discord. It's what I aim to sort of have with my own. Obviously it's a long process to achieve that, but hopefully I'll be able to build something as awesome as the House Party Protocols Discord server. I appreciate that, fellas. I really do. And um, you guys can uh, come and check that out. And then also you can check us out on Facebook. Make sure to uh, check out the pin post there because we're currently doing a giveaway for the Weapon X box. I probably should have mentioned this when we were talking about the affiliation thing, but whatever. Who cares? Uh, We're doing a, a, a giveaway for that. So make sure to like, leave a comment on that post. And then also we have to have a secret code word. And guys, I think the secret code word for today's episode's got to be sad kitty. Yeah, sad kitty sounds good. I thought you were going to go with sad cat dad, but sad kitty's good. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought about that, but I think sad kitty sounds a little more fun and people could be really creative with what they sent me on that one. (laughs) So send us the secret code word either via Facebook Messenger, email housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com, or you can send it over on our Discord. If I'm at HPP underscore Will on all the main Discords, so just send me a DM over there if you want to. That'll work as well. Uh, sad kitty for that. And then also uh, make sure to stay tuned right here to House Party Protocol at the beginning of the year. We got some new merch coming out that I think is going to be fun. And I'm going to do a shirt where on the front it's going to say uh, Main Chick, and then it's going to have a colon and then say MCP. And then on the back, it's going to say side chick, and then it's going to say uh, SWSP, so for Star Wars Shadow Point. No. So, so like a main chick and a side chick, and then I'll have it the inverse for people that like Star Wars more than Marvel, and they can have like the inverse of that. I think that would be pretty no, clever. No. Yeah, well, it's going to be wicked. Yeah, so that, that, that's one of my shirt ideas coming up. And then we got a couple other ones that I'm keeping close to the vest right now, but uh, I'm, I'm stoked for that. And uh, I hope you guys like that. And, and let me know, uh, Suits, let me know when y'all send me these code words, when, whenever you send me messages, what we're doing here that we could be improving on, what you like, what you don't like. I'm really open to criticism, and I always want to make your time as valuable as possible. You're spending your time with us here listening to this, so it needs to be valuable, and I hope that it always is. And if it ever isn't, please let me know and I will correct whatever deficiencies I have to. And with that, thank you fellows for coming and join me today. Party on, John. Party on, Will. Party on, Aaron. 
Claudio move. And power down suits.